We've had a great start to the 2020 World Series, including a real chess match in Game 2, won by the Rays. Swing and a fly ball, well hit into left field. Going back is Taylor, all the way back towards the wall. It's gone! A two-run homer for Brandon Lau, his second of the night, and the Rays have a 5-0 lead. We catch up with a former six-time All-Star who now covers the Dodgers on a daily basis to get his thoughts on the series. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. And a drive to left and deep. It is carrying to the bullpen and gone. And the Dodgers win it 7-6. to six. And finally, after tying it in the eighth, Nomar wins it in the ninth. And that, of course, would be our play of the game. Nomar Garcia Parra broke into the big leagues in 1996 with the Red Sox, and by the time he was done, he had won Rookie of the Year, two batting titles, and had compiled a 313 lifetime average. Nomar is now part of the Dodgers TV pre- and post-game shows for Sportsnet LA, so he is on top of the Dodgers. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Dan? Uh, very well. Been a long time. We used to work a, a little bit together at ESPN way back in the day. Life treating you well. You've got teenage girls now, right? Like you're a serious dad at this point, huh? Oh, my God. Don't remind me. Yes, <laughs> they are growing up way too fast. Uh, my little guy, you know, I, people ask, how's your son doing? I said, well, he's cute and funny. That's all he's got going for him, so I hope he stays that way. Um, <laughs> that's, so. a, that's excellent. <laughs> now, one thing I try to picture, you're an energy guy, and I see you on my, my TV at home when I come home and I watch games after I do a Blue Jays game or something, but you know, you're doing the pre- and post-game shows, and again, like I mentioned, you're an energy guy. I keep trying to picture you sitting in a studio for three and a half hours watching a baseball game. Do you sit still? Do you bounce off the walls? What are you doing during the game? This team, you know, obviously following the Dodgers and being working here for so long and really getting to know these guys. I mean, there's Clayton Kershaw and I were teammates at one point, you right. know, so we played together. So there's some guys that I'm teammates with. There's coaches that I know extremely well. So I'm nervous for them. I'm more nervous watching them in this time than I am. I wish I, I, wish I was playing. I was like, I'm more nervous now than it was when I was playing in big games like this. So I'm definitely anxious, but at the same time, like I said, they're a fun team to watch, and they're really easy guys to cheer for. Yeah, it's so much fun to develop those relationships and to, and to have that feeling for the team that you cover. Not everybody gets to cover a good team, so I know you feel fortunate. How much fun has it been just year after year knowing that you're going to cover a team that, I mean, basically, they're going to the playoffs every year. You know that. How much fun is it knowing you're going to cover one of the best teams in baseball? It's great. You know, since I joined the Sportsnet LA team, the Dodgers have won the division every time. I mean, we've been that lucky. We look at each other every time we go to work, you know, after a grind of a season, as you know, we, I mean, after playing it and then still working it, it's still a marathon season and a grind for everyone who's involved. But we're like, gosh, how lucky are we? Mm -hmm. You know, the expectations to, to be in the postseason on a regular basis. We also don't take it for granted. We work in the same studio with the Lakers. Now, granted, the Lakers just won the title but you look over the last few years they were struggling they had some tough seasons and so we know those guys too and they're like yeah 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 you guys are going to the playoffs yeah you know don't remind us you know as they're covering a team that may be struggling and are still building so we know how fortunate we are give me your thoughts on the first two games of the world series you know, not really surprised because you know it's a good race team especially when they were going with uh, Snell for game two the first game, uh, the Dodgers really, I think, really needed that, especially after riding the emotion of coming off that uh, seventh game against the Braves. So that was good to see. Uh, Clayton Kershaw did his thing. 
which was nice to see as well. So I think it's been a good series. I think the games were at least played very, very well. It wasn't those types of games where you're going, gosh, this is just an ugly game or Mm -hmm. just kind of a boring game. It definitely wasn't that. I think there was definitely some emotional moments. There were some critical moments, uh, some momentum shifters, which is always things you're looking for in the postseason. So I've enjoyed it. Cody Bellinger lifts off high and deep to straightaway center field and gone! Cody Bellinger picking up where he left off. One of the things that I found really interesting about this series is it kind of turns into a chess match, right? I mean, both teams have interchangeable parts. The Rays more than the Dodgers in their lineup, but the Dodgers still have a couple. They've got pitchers they use in different creative ways. Do you like this style of baseball where basically everybody on the roster is going to be a part of it at some point? It's good to see that everybody on the roster is important. I, I think that's one thing that is good, but it's really hard to see guys from as far as a pitching standpoint to come in, understand what the roles might be, the expectations. Now, I granted in postseason, sometimes you see maybe starters all of a sudden coming out of the bullpen. You're used to seeing that. But I think some of these guys uh, out of the bullpen, the expectation to have eight guys beyond their game, I think it's really hard mm-hmm. to, to expect that. And sometimes I think it puts more pressure on the manager but at the same time, we also got to understand it's not the manager anymore. Right. <laughs> it really isn't. Uh, it's it, they, Unfortunately, just the manager has to answer the question. But a lot of times, it's not the manager. This is already all planned out. It's like almost every scenario is planned out. And here's the percentages that you're supposed to play. So I think when I look at it that way, too, that's what I don't like. It's sometimes you got you miss what we all may be seeing and pulling our hair out. And whether you leave a guy in, whether you don't leave a guy in, or aren't you recognizing this at, at that moment? But then again, I guess that's with all the sports. Yeah, and you're right. It's funny. Everybody I talk to from every team says basically the same thing that you just said. You know, you know how much it's changed over the last 10 years or so. One thing that surprised me a little, I don't know if it did you, obviously you've got Bueller, you've got Kershaw. Now the other three starters during the year, for the most part, were Gonsolin, May, and Urias. And none of the three of them is like fully entrenched as a starting pitcher right now. They all could be used in any different role, an opener, a middle guy, a closer, even in the case of Urias. Are you surprised that none of the three of them is like a regular starting pitcher still in the postseason at this point? Well, it kind of takes away from what everybody was talking about. The Dodgers going to the postseason what they have, the advantage they have over all the other teams. And they say depth, pitching depth, starting Mm -hmm. depth. Uh, they had five guys, especially the way the format of the way the playoffs was set up. And that's now kind of is gone because of the way you're using the guys. On the flip side, you can make the argument, though, this is such unique. It, the first series, the whole wild card three game series, when you have the best record and what you have to do, you're going, OK, all hands on deck. If I don't get that past this round, it doesn't really matter what kind of depth I have. Right. So you 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 played that for that series first. And I think that's what the Dodgers did as they were going down the stretch going, OK, this three game series. You know, would, would I like some of these young arms coming out of the bullpen? Well, let's give them an opportunity in the last week of the season to do that and kind of let them know this may be the case. Not enough time, but that's what they did. And then they had to win those three games. And then you go to a five-game series and the same thing. So, yeah, I, I think it takes away from that, from what they had, the advantage. And especially we're seeing it now. And it put them in this uh, situation in game two. But 
you know, that's then once again, that's this day and age of the game. Right. They're they're looking at, they're figuring out, they're trying to say, well, let's just play the percentages. Uh, it's no longer the field and see maybe some guy's success, how they come out as a starter as compared to a reliever. They just think it's easy. Hey, I need you for outs, and that's all that matters, and go figure it out and throw you out there. Yep. You mentioned you were a teammate of Clayton Kershaw. When people would ask me before the series about Kershaw's legacy and the narrative and the October thing, which I'm sure you've been asked about a billion times, uh, <laughs> I, I would say, first of all, I don't, I don't subscribe to the narrative that he can't get it done in October or whatever the case is. I mean, he's been too good and too important to baseball for me to go there. And I always said the same thing to people. I don't care who wins the series because I'm neutral calling the games for ESPN radio, but I really hope Clayton Kershaw pitches well because he deserves to have this narrative go away. How happy were you for him to see him pitch like he did in game one? You know, I wasn't happy for him. I was happy for the Dodgers because this narrative that has is very unfair and unjustified because so many, I think now in the world, it's always about the negative. And all of a sudden, we push away from the positive. And I think what people don't look at and really need to look at at Clayton Kershaw, he's thrown in 36 postseason games, mm-hmm. 36. He's started in 29. And right now, his record's 12 and 12. Don't get me wrong. He has had his struggles. He'd be the first one to admit it. He has had his struggles in the postseason, in certain, po- in certain postseason games. But then we overlook all the, the gems that he throws. For example, I mean, we can I can just go this year, this year. The toughest series for the Dodgers and for any team was a three-game series. Everybody was talking about this three-game wildcard series. You can be out in an instant. It's really, It was really unfair, especially the teams that finished at the top of their division or what Major League Baseball decided in that respect. Yeah. So game one is the most important one, and all he did was go eight innings of, uh, of shutout baseball against the Brewers and have 13 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a big game, probably one of the most high-pressure games, and yet we sweep that under the rug about Clayton Kershaw's narrative and legacy. Can't give Clayton Kershaw another out. He did, and then it's a one-pitch and a strikeout. Clayton Kershaw will walk off the mound with 13 strikeouts. Then you think about what his first, very first game in the World Series he ever pitched. His very first game of the World Series was against the Houston Astros. All he did was go seven, strike out 11, and allow one earned run. Flies one into center, back a few. Taylor, and Kershaw is through seven dominant innings. So his very first game in the highest level of what was uh, World Series, and that's what he did. Yes, game the next time he pitched, but let's not forget, you know, they cheated in that one. Right, I mean, right. I still can't get over the fact that he had game one, 19 or 20 some swings and misses on his breaking ball and had zero. The next time you face him, you don't swing and miss. <laughs> that's really hard to do mm-hmm. unless something's going on and we find out now what it is. So that's how bad that scandal, because if he wins one, and that goes away. So he has done, he's had some unbelievable gems and he has some hiccups. So that, that cheating scandal hurts his narrative and hurt, hurts his legacy. And the other thing I look at it, it's funny. I look at some other great pitchers in the hall of fame and you really compare their postseason record. Look at John Smoltz. Look at the Tom Glavin. These guys who went to the postseason 14 straight years. And yet they only won one time. That's it. One yeah. time. What happened to all the other times? And and some of them, their their numbers aren't really much better or and sometimes worse than what Clayton Kershaw has done. So I think it's unfair. It's unjustified because of what he not only means to the game, what he's meant to the Dodgers, how great he's been for so long as well. So yes, I do hope he does it. I do hope he he pulls this off, but I never go there just because I I look at those other times because there's no way anybody gets there without him. 
Couldn't agree with you more. I think he deserves better than he's gotten, and I was really happy to see him pitch as well as he did in game one. Pitch on the way, swing and a miss. Great down and in slider there from Kershaw, and he has it rolling right now. I want to ask you about Cody Bellinger. I love watching Cody Bellinger hit. Whether he hits one nine miles or whether he strikes out, it's going to be entertaining because I have never seen a guy swing a bat like that, swing a bat that hard. Have you just messing around in the studio or at home, and I know he's a left-handed batter, you are a right-handed batter, but have you ever tried just to mimic his swing just to see what it would feel like? I'm nearly 50 years old, Dan. If I try to do that, are you kidding me? I, I'd be I'd be back in the training room where I spent a lot of time anyway in my career. I don't need to go back there for that long. I, I, every time I swing, my back hurts. My obliques hurt. Uh, yeah, everything hurts. Look at it. It's so violent. It's so fierce. Uh, no, I don't wish to try that. Uh, so when I, If I try that on the golf course, I'm back at the clubhouse putting ice on something. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point, but <laughs> it is something else to watch. Uh, all right, I'll give you an easier one. What do you like best about Mookie Betts now that you've watched him on a daily basis for a season? That he can change a game in so many ways. Mookie Betts, the first batter that Fleming faces, and Betts sends a fly ball to right field. It's pretty well hit. It's carrying. It's gone. Opposite field home run, Mookie Betts. You know, Cody Bellinger, you talk, we, we just talked about his swing. Yes, but he can also change it with his defense. But Mookie Betts changes it with his defense, with his legs. Gosh, the way he helps his teammate. It, just everything, the whole package. We, we always hear about five-tool players. And we go, okay, this guy has five tools. But are all five tools really off the charts, world-class, maybe four of the five? You know, yeah, he's just good at this other one. No, he is, he's off the charts on seriously all five of those and that's what's so impressive and um i knew you know how good of a player he was dodger fans obviously you know you hear about mookie but you really don't see it but when you get to see it daily now they're like ah now we know what what they were talking about now we know why they signed him now we know why they signed him for the the long-term contract uh what he brings to the game is what this game needs and and every, every fan should have the luxury of watching him and, and enjoy what he does yeah and as good a person as he is a player too right like a great ambassador for the sport as well so he really is yeah it's been 32 years since the dodgers won the world series it's a really strange year this covid shortened season if the dodgers win it this year do you think it would mean as much to dodger fans as if it were a normal year absolutely absolutely you know what i'm really thrilled about it there was one thing i was really nervous about during this shortened season, aside from it not finishing, <laughs> aside from it not being finished. Yeah. But I was worried about that. When we got to the World Series, we would have possibly two teams or one of the teams where if they won, they would put this asterisk or there's big narrative. Yeah, but it was a short season. Just because going into the seasons, they probably weren't one of the favorite teams. Or I mean, let's take the Padres. The Padres weren't favored. We know they're young. We know they're talented. But they got if you get hot and you got hot at the right time, you can carry this through and win a World Series. People would probably, yeah, but it was only 60 games. They're not going to say that about the Dodgers. <laughs> the Dodgers go out there and win. They're like, yeah, but they were in there. They were supposed to win. They're supposed to be there. This Whether it was 162 or 60, they were supposed to. The Rays, the same thing. People coming in. I know they talk about the Yankees in the East, but we also know the, the Rays, how talented the pitching staff. You say whether it would hold up 162 games or not. They've shown that they can, and they also deserve to be there. So that's what I'm really, I really like about the two teams that are in there. Both of these, if either one of these teams win, I know I won't. Be, I know people want to do that because once again we talk about how people just want to be negative. But I think both these teams definitely will be World Series champions in delivering. So without any asterisk, say hey, they deserve it. 
Last question, off topic. Over the last couple of years, Bo Bichette has broken in with the Toronto Blue Jays. And friends of mine who, you know, broadcast for other teams, when, you, you know, you have a series against another team, you trade information, you call up your buddies, and they say to me, you know, tell me about Bo. And, and one thing I've said a few times is, you know, he kind of reminds me of Nomar. I mean, he's a right-hand hitting shortstop, not the biggest guy in the world, but barrels up everything. The ball flies off his bat, aggressive hitter. To my untrained eye, I see some similarities. How much have you seen of Bo Bichette? How much do you like him? And are you okay with me making this comparison when people ask from now on? <laughs> I, well, first of all, if you make the comparison, I'm honored. I'm the <laughs> one who's honored. So thank you if you make that comparison to me with him. I love him. He's unbelievable. 1-0 on the way, and Bichette lifts a fly ball deep left center field, and he's hit it out. Bo Bichette on the second pitch that he sees takes Clayton Kershaw deep. He's dynamic. He's fun. He's energetic. Playing shortstop, people always talk about me and my bat, right? They're like, oh, what you what you did at the plate, aside from the whole fidgety thing and all that. My mar- <laughs> Aside from my marketing Oh, really? I hadn't noticed bat- that. Yeah. yeah, aside from my marketing <laughs> deal with my batting gloves and, and my shoe contract. But anyway, that's a whole side <laughs> But uh, Very unique routine when he steps into the batter's box. Tightens his glove up. Wristbands, there's the feet, did a little two-step. I always find, um, I'm proud of seeing guys in the middle infield who take pride on both sides and are impactful on both sides. It's not just the offensive side. Sometimes when you're so good offensively and can hit in the middle of the lineup, they overlook that you still have, you play a premier position and have to go play defense and how important that position is. But then be extremely effective and good defensively as well or else they're not going to play you there. They'll just say, okay, we like your bat. We can move you somewhere else. I love watching Bo that he takes pride on both sides because mm-hmm. he's what he does defensively is great. And then what he does from the offensive side, to be able to put a guy in a bat like that at any part of the lineup, that's really what you need and what you see and what I love seeing about hitters. And I'm also just happy for him because I used to see him running around in the locker room right. you know, as well when I played with his dad and everything and seeing, I can't believe how far I was like, oh my gosh, look at Bo now. And it was great when he came to the Dodgers and I saw him and just to give him like a hug and like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you and what you've <laughs> done. So I am following him. I'm watching what he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled for all his success. And like I said, if you compare me to him, thank you. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. All right. I'm on the right track. Uh, well, he's fun to watch. You were extraordinarily fun to watch. And I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, enjoy the rest of the World Series and hope you and your family are doing as well as you can do during these complicated times. Stay safe out there. You as well, Dan. Always great to talk to you. You take care. Our thanks to Nomar Garcia Para, a terrific player back in the day. And a guy who worked with a little bit as ESPN, as I mentioned, a lot of fun to work with and does a great job covering the Dodgers on their pre and post game shows on Sportsnet LA. Locked in on the series. Great World Series so far. Game three is coming up 1 1 between the Dodgers and the Rays. What a next few days it should be. Thanks for listening. As always, this episode of A Swing and a Belt, produced by Christian Ryan. Until next time, I'm Dan Schulman. 